All of us at Epcot have enjoyed hosting you at World Showcase Lagoon. Thank you, and may all your dreams come true. You see my French, the computer makes life easier. <laughs> You just tuned in to the only podcast that brings Disney and technology closer to home. Welcome to the DizCast with your host, Mark Silverman. Today is Monday, April 5th, 2010, and this is show number 30 of the DizCast. Coming up on this 30th show, Kyle is back as he shares with us why he is renewing his D23 membership. We announce our first ever contest on the show. I bring you a roundtable discussion of what technology people would like to see in the parks. But first, some contact information. You can find us on the web at sylvies.com forward slash DizCast. Email the show at podcast.sylvies.com. Follow us over on Twitter at twitter.com slash discast, or become a fan of us over on Facebook. And now, on with the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. All of us at Epcot Center are glad to have you as our guests today. We welcome you. Hello, everyone. This is Kyle Duffield, formerly of Cast Member Corner here on the Discast. And uh, as some of you may know, I have made the decision to return to the Discast, and I could not be more excited. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to give uh, Mark a very warm uh, thank you uh, for allowing me to come back onto the show after uh, being absent for the past few months. Um, but it's great to be back. Uh, don't think we're going to be calling it Cast Member Corner anymore. I'm going to think of a new name for the segment because I don't really want to talk about being a cast member, so to speak, but I'll talk about some other Disney stuff. Um, and today I thought I would give my uh, opinion on D23 since Mark did that last week. And of course he decided not to renew his uh, membership and I thought I would talk a little bit about why uh, I'm renewing it. Um, first off, the magazine itself is not sold here in Canada. Um, really the only way you can get it is either being a D23 member or buying it online through the Disney store. Um, and I made the decision to basically, you know, stay a D23 member. I'm a Toronto member, so... I'm happy with the magazine. Um, I'm happy with the extra material that you get the magazine uh, from the archives. I think it's great stuff. Um, great collector's items that always comes out. Um, and the opportunity to purchase great merchandise online, like uh, some of the expo stuff that came out late last year was really cool. I got a lot of that stuff. As well as the pins. I'm a big pin collector, so I mean, a lot of that stuff is, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I decided to stay a member. Um, and there are a few other reasons why I'm staying a member as well. Um, some of the events coming up this year are, are really exciting, such as the Destination D event. Uh, I'm going to try and head out to Disneyland this year and try to get tickets for that. I think that'll be really neat. And also the Expo next year, which I'll be definitely going to. Um, if you're a D23 member, you actually get uh, big savings on it. And if you are a charter member, um, you also have access to a charter members lounge of sorts. Don't really know what that is. I guess it's just a place where people, charter members can hang out and just do whatever they want, pretty much. Um, but, I mean, 
I see the value in the membership. I know some people don't because they really just care about the magazine and they can just easily buy the magazine in the store. But here in Canada, that's really not an option. So that's why that's one of the main reasons why I'm staying a member. And, you know, I'm just really happy with the extra contact that you get. Um, it's really something I don't see myself uh, turning down anytime soon. I think I'm always going to be a D23 member as long as the membership is available. Um, and I'm really happy with it. Um, so that's my thoughts right now on D23. Um, stay tuned because I'm going to be talking about the Destination D event in September and my plans and hopefully getting tickets for it because from what the rumors flying around it's not a very big event like the Expo. It's only going to be a certain amount of tickets available so hopefully if all works out I'll definitely be going to it and uh, we'll see how it goes. But um, again I'm very happy to be back on the Discast. It's been a while since I've done a segment like this, and I'm really happy to be back. Um, again, I'm not going to be calling this segment Cast Member Corner anymore. I'm going to think of a new name for it uh, over the week, and hopefully by next week we'll have a new name for it and a new intro and everything for, like that. Um, but thanks again, Mark, for your support and allowing me to come back on this cast, and I want to thank all of you for your support as well. And with that, uh, really excited to be back on this cast, and I can't wait to do more segments. And with that, I think we'll take it back to Mark. Thanks very much, Kyle, and I'm definitely glad to have you back on the show. As I said last week, I really didn't take much advantage of my D23 membership, but I definitely can see where others would find great advantages in being a member of the club. Thanks a lot, Kyle, and once again, welcome back. our 30th show here on the Discast, we are going to have our very first ever contest. The winner of the contest will receive a $25 Apple iTunes gift card. This contest is very simple. All you have to do is tell me the location of the song that I will play in just a moment, and email us that location to podcast at sylvies.com and you will be entered to win. For more information and for official rules, please visit sylvies.com forward slash Discast and click on the 30th show contest link at the top. And now, without any further ado, here is the song. So if you know the location of where that song can be heard, email us at podcast.sylvies.com and you will be entered to win the $25 Apple iTunes gift card. Good luck! Now it's time to talk Disney and technology on this week's DizCast Roundtable. For the 30th episode of the show, we are going to do something that we have not done in a long time. Have a roundtable discussion. Joining me for this roundtable is Mark from the Remember the Magic podcast. Hey, everyone. Anthony from the WDW News Today podcast. Hello, hello. And Paul from Mouse Magic HD and Mouse Magic Live, which airs live Sundays at 7 Eastern on Reedy Creek Radio. Paul? Howdy ho, neighbors. So for this roundtable discussion, our topic is going to be what technology that we would like to see Disney utilize more in the park. 
so let's get things rolling right away here. Uh, Mark, why don't you get us going? To see the like, internet availability due to the fact that I don't have an iPhone. You were talking internet that you're not paying for from the hotels, right? Yep. And from like the parks. You're starting to see that in some places. Like Interventions yeah. magically cropped up with, uh, with some wireless access when I was there the last time. And I know other people have noted that. I don't know if it's really supposed to be publicly accessible, but people are connecting. Yeah, I mean, free Wi-Fi is something that I think everyone would like to see, not only Disney. And I mean, I guess, you know, it was just weird. And it, out of all the places, I guess it fits mostly that it would come up in Interventions. Some people have been able to get it at Casey's Corner, too, which I find totally bizarre. But I, I went on the Keys of the Kingdom tour and saw the wireless access points in the Tildors under the Magic Kingdom, so... I think I kind of know where it's coming from, though. So it's it's there. It's just possibly not really supposed to be used by park guests. Correct. There's multiple times which I've seen Wi-Fi, too, but it's protected because, of course, it's for the merchants and the kiosk to be able to connect for, you know, the credit cards and running that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, and I, I've seen Wi-Fi outside of Toy Story Mania. I've seen Wi-Fi, you know, all locked just in general around the park. If Disney wants to bring in Wi-Fi, I think, it would be a smart move, but the only place I'll get Wi-Fi is McDonald's. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, one thing I think Disney should utilize more as more is they should create official smartphone apps for wait times. You know, I know Touring Plans came out with uh, Lines, which is you know great. I mean, it's pretty much spot on accurate. Though I haven't been able to use it. I know I've read. I know Mikey from Magic City Mayhem has used it. And he said it's more accurate than what Disney even provides. But, uh, you know, just in general, I mean, even they've now started with Mobile Magic for uh, Verizon. And I think even if they create more stuff like that for iPhone and Android and Droid and all those other ones, I think that that would be something Disney can make money off of and I think would be widely accepted. You stole most of my points. (laughs) (laughs) They do have the um, mobile website. They kind of changed it up so when you go, you get the mobile version of the website, and you can check wait times there, but it's also, all it says is, like, moderate wait. And you're like, well, what's a moderate wait for this attraction? Exactly. What's a moderate wait to Disney? Is it 35 minutes? Is it 40 minutes? Is it an hour? How exactly are they gauging that? And then the other question is, like, also, you know, since you're not paying for it, how up-to-date is it? Are they getting, like, refreshed every so often? Things like that. Probably know it's going to be a cast member just entering it in general, just sitting at the ride. But as you said, Paul, I don't think—I mean, it could just be based off of, you know, the crowd they expect for that day. But as Anthony said, you know, moderate is moderate. There's—everyone has different meetings. Yeah, D- Disney could mean anything behind moderate. Yeah, and what, what, were, what were your points, uh, Anthony, about the apps? Uh, I I can get started on on, on my ideas for for the parks. Um, sort of like you were saying, further cell phone integration, but covering all carriers, not just Verizon. And I know that's a tricky thing, considering their contract with them. I was thinking of some pretty cool stuff, like on cell phone scannable fast passes, where you could um, you could sort of like text a number and get your fast pass or even some uh, smartphone uh, cell phone ticketing sort of like you're seeing from some of the uh, airlines yeah some of the airlines have basically you you can have them scan a ticket on your cell phone and you're all set no need to carry around paper no need to waste paper it follows Disney's green initiatives so I think that'd be really two really cool things for them 
cut back on paper waste and sort of be more technological. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, somewhat brings up another one of my points. Is I'm surprised Disney has, with their relationship with Apple through Pixar, I'm surprised Disney has not utilized iPhones and stuff like that in the parks yet. It, it, it all falls back to the relationship with Verizon that took how many years to get underway? Yeah, seriously. I, I remember when the relationship was announced, maybe like a year and a half ago, two years, and we just got Mobile Magic recently. Did it really take them that long? It was sort of a, a trade-off between the, the two companies. They did um, Kim Possible. They supplied the phones for Kim Possible, and Disney would allow them to be the exclusive carrier of uh, Mobile Magic. I mean, even then, has anyone actually here used Mobile Magic? No, I'm on at and I'm on um, AT&T and iPhone. Oh, yeah, go iPhone. <laughs> Some who runs our podcast has tried it, and I know Ricky Bergani has tried it, and they both seem to have been pretty impressed with it. I don't know. It doesn't totally impress me that much. I haven't seen it, but... I I mean, the question with that is the other question that was brought up before is how accurate are those wait times? I would say with this over uh, Mobile Magic over the mobile website, they're going to have people dedicated to those wait times over... You know, the free site, they're getting a cut of what Verizon's charging for every 180 days, which, by the way, I think the pricing is ridiculous for 180 days. I heard from Ricky that uh, it's pretty accurate, the wait times. I don't know. I, I think Disney uh, Media has now started creating more and more uh, iPhone apps. And yes, I can I see that, you know, Verizon is the exclusive carrier. But at the same time... You know, from the photos I've seen on the official Disney Parks blog, it honestly doesn't really that impress. I mean, possibly, as Anthony said, the wait time, the wait times are probably a lot more accurate. But you know, if Disney were to possibly lower the price, and I was able to afford to switch over to Verizon, then yeah, I would maybe try it. But is it really providing the guests something more than where if they can just pick up a Times Guide? Here's the other thing. It doesn't seem to have all that much compatibility with phones. It's pretty select what they're having it on. I'm not even sure it's even on any of the Blackberries. It may be on some of the older ones, but I, I don't think it's on the Tor or the new Curves or anything like that. It's not on any of the new smartphones or anything like that. It's actually on like older phones, which are kind of like if you look at it, you think maybe Verizon did that on purpose to – get people to kind of go with the older phones and then come in, you know, a little bit later in a couple years and go, wow, I really want to upgrade to the more expensive phones. But if they're upgrading to the more expensive phone, you know, all our Disney freaks out there are not going to be able to use mobile magic because it's not supported. Mm -hmm. I think it's foolish for them not to support smartphones. Then you have to use the free site, which is kind of defeating the whole purpose of selling mobile magic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, eventually, I think Disney should move into more smartphones, such as the iPhone and the Android. And even if they want to move over to Sprint with, I don't even know what smartphones they have. But eventually, I think Disney should do something like that and just have a dedicated um, official wait times thing where it would allow you to, you know, on any smartphone be able to access wait times. I just don't know what the timing of their contract is as far as when one goes, when, you know, it runs out with Verizon, when they can bring on other carriers. Because I most certainly don't think it's going to be forever that it's just on um, Verizon. I think we'll see the iPhone on Verizon before we see the uh, ending of the contract of Disney and Verizon, which could be a good thing then, because then hopefully they develop something for the Verizon version of the iPhone to be able to do this wait time um, application. 
Yeah, I think Horizon's version, if, I, I think, Paul, you're right. It's not going to be for a while if anything comes. Well, going off of Anthony's whole fast pass and, um, you know, printing it and getting it through your phone, I kind of thought it'd be cool to be able to schedule your fast pass so you could kind of schedule your touring plan um, accordingly and say, oh, I want to get this fast pass around this time. But I'm not sure what the details would be to be able to do that. But again, using your smartphone and showing that barcode, which the cast member could then scan and verify it, I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, I guess it's – I can't really tell if you're going to schedule fast passes because then that, uh, to me, if you schedule a fast pass, that's just going to make Soren run out even faster than it already does. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's going to make it harder for people who are actually in the parks to actually get a fast pass. I mean, you if you have scheduling fast passes, you know, you can be at home about to go on your Disney trip like three days out and schedule a fast pass for the day you'll be at Epcot to get a Soren fast pass, which then leaves all the other people who don't do that out in the cold. Well, of course, there'd be limitations with it of you could only schedule so far in advance, and then you would have to also implement numbers. So you could say only 10% of the fast passes that we give out in this time block can be scheduled. So, I mean, there's a lot of numbers behind it, which I don't have access to. I don't think any of us have access to for the fast passes, but it'd be kind of cool to be able to do it. I mean, even if you can only, you know, choose two attractions per day to schedule, I think that'd help out a lot more. Um, for families and things like that. But then the other question is, how do you verify you have a ticket and you have actually, say, four tickets versus you're just trying to get up four slots or four fast passes? Right. I, I mean, the other question also comes is, how do they know that you're not actually going to use them? Well, they, any fast pass system, they already have a certain number, which they know probably won't show back up. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that would be just another calculation within the whole grand scheme of the whole fast pass um, programming that they have. I mean, FastPass, I think, is one of those things that, if anything, that's going to be possibly one of the things that's going to come to the phones. I mean, eventually, I think Disney's going to run most of their stuff with wireless ticketing and all that other stuff off of a smartphone, whether it's something on Verizon or something on, you know, AT&T or some other smart uh, network that carries smartphones. But eventually... FastPass, I don't, I think, Paul, you're right. That would not be such a bad thing, considering that, you know, things like Soren do run out really early in the morning, and even Toy Story Mania, I mean, I guess if Disney, as you said with the numbers, if Disney were to set aside a certain percentage of uh, FastPasses for specifically, for online scheduling, then that would work. It all, it all depends on how the fast passes go over the next couple of years. I don't know if you've heard the rumors that fast passes may eventually may may go limited to what resort you're staying at. If if you're staying at a deluxe, you're going to be able to get X number of fast passes, uh, moderate X number value. You know, maybe one or two per day. Or uh, guests coming in from the outside, you know, a local or whatever, wouldn't get any. I guess that all works into their scheme of, you know, the forcing you basically to stay on property and to stay at these hotels if you want fast passes. Which I think is kind of silly, but we'll see how and that goes. Universal um, does a thing like that where you can buy the fast pass for, you know, the extra 20 some dollars or I don't know what the price is. Or if you're staying on one of their three hotels on property, then your key is a fast pass for it. And you use it once at each of the fast pass attractions or the um, express pass, I guess, is what they use. 
are, are you talking about something like, uh, I know Six Flags has this thing called Flash Pass, where it's basically Fast Pass that you pay money for to use for a certain number of people. Exactly that. Uh, talking about uh, Anthony with uh, going away with the Fast Passes, what about the annual pass holders that live in Orlando? I, I don't, I, this rumor has been, you know, flying around in and out for probably a couple of years. I don't know what they would do. Uh, nor do I remember <laughs> when I read the article what they said. I just remember they were there was whoever leaked it, whatever gave a whole breakdown of who would get what and what number. Fast Pass in general, I think, is a very good system, and I honestly, besides the fact that you know very popular rides will give up Fast Passes earlier, then they'll basically be gone for the rest of the day. Fast Pass as a system in whole is a lot better than other theme parks have. And I think FastPass is something that Disney really shouldn't mess with that much. No, I, I think they should keep it as it is, but I understand why they would want to encourage more to stay on property like that. Yeah, it's more money in their pocket. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we all want to see what Disney is going to be doing with RFID. We, we, we've, all, we've all heard those rumors and seen the whole thing about key chest or whatever it is that's going to be coming out which would all depend on if they're going to go to the uh to the mobile stuff like like i was saying on cell phone ticketing i I don't know if they would do that if they're going to do rfid because that would sort of get in the way of that initiative of of uh rfid I mean, but it also, once again, comes down to cost you know does rfid come down cost more than if they were to put it on the web um It, it it could be a pretty cheap technology. It's it's basically putting a chip between two layers of your key to the world card. Well, I know credit cards usually do that, and I guess if the credit card companies, big as they are, can afford our FIDs, you know, why can't Disney afford it? Uh, the I believe the London Tube has it as well, where they have the clam card, which has an RFID built into it, and you, ju- you just basically tap it on the thing on the top and go through. You don't have to put it through, like, uh, like Metro cards. I think Disney should go for it. I mean, then again, it gets in the way of their mobile initiative. If they are going to start a mobile initiative, it gets in a way of that. But at the same time, RFID is something that I think the world eventually is going to go to, just in general. Yes and no. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, does and does not step on their mobile initiative. There's certain things that they can do with the RFID that they can't do with um, with mobile. Some of the stuff I've heard they would be doing with stuff like Potato Head and and, and whatnot. You couldn't do with a mobile. You would need the uh, you would need the RFID. Like you'd be going through the line for Toy Story Mania with your RFID ticket, and you know it's it's your birthday today, and that that all that information is going to be on an R on your RFID. Mr. Potato Head's going to say, hey, you there, Mark. Happy birthday. Yeah. Which is something they can't do with just a cell phone. And there's so many different things which they could add to it, as Anthony was saying, you know, with Mr. Potato Head and even within the attractions. And they can program different things. Um, You know, if you've been there on the ride a lot, they could change up the ride actually and kind of get a gauge of – Oh, these people on this ride vehicle have collectively ridden this 200 times. So let's change it up just a little bit for them versus the new people that come on. Especially for Toy Story Mania. Mm-hmm. Especially for that ride where it can be as interactive as it is and for all those wonderful 
people who have written it 10,000 times, you know, Paul's right. You can really change it and make sure, you know, people aren't seeing the same exact thing over and over again. You could also use it for stuff like uh, the laugh floor and actually, you know, send back to the person who's working, uh, well, the people that are working Monsters, Inc., what people's names actually are and call them by name and... Yeah, I mean, RFID, te- RF technology, which in case you, uh, if you're listening out there and you don't know what it is, RF stands for radio frequency. Uh, RF technology is definitely something that should, that, you know, really can provide a whole new level of interactive, and I'm not sure, or, you know, we don't know if Disney really has taken a look at it yet. I think we have a pretty good idea that they, they have an R, it's just when, it's not an if, it's more a when is this going to be out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Kim Possible Experience uh, have an RFID? Uh, I think that goes over to Cell Network. Oh. I'm not sure. Because I, yeah. I, I, I know what you're thinking of because of all the stuff that actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. It it, it does certain stuff with, uh, with the... Um, GPS? Yeah, with the GPS and, and whatnot in the area to do that. Whatnot, is that a technical term? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be a technical term. The the whatnot of the Verizon phones with the Kim Possible. Yes. All right. So um, I'm going to move on here. Another thing I think Disney should really start bringing to the park is move, make, you know, with interventions being the, you know, thing of tomorrow, what's going to come tomorrow with nanobot technology and, you know, segues and all that other stuff. I think Disney should move some of that stuff, you know, to other aspects of the park, whether it's Epcot whether it's Hollywood Studios, whether it's Magic Kingdom, and, you know, it create something a little more interactive. Could be some, could be some really interesting ideas with actually putting some of the uh, intervention stuff out in the parks. One example I have here, you know, I think Disney can bring stuff out of interventions and make it, you know, stuff that it, I guess, showcases your day, and when you get home, you know, you're able to relive some of your stuff. I mean, I'm still able, I went to, last my last trip to Disney World was a year ago this April, and I'm still able to play Runtime online. You know, it still keeps my data. I mean, whether whether or not to delete it, I think it'd be interesting if Disney were able to somewhat showcase part of your day and be able to, you know, bring it home to you. That's a really cool idea. I mean, they've done it with, I mean, they've done it with runtime, and I guess in a way, if you want to say, they've done it with Disney PhotoPass, because you're able to view your photos online, but, you know, if Disney were able to bring it home somewhat, just anything, like, video of, I don't know, it would create something more interactive. I mean, and yes, they should definitely have more push toss trash cans roaming around the parks. <laughs> that would that, I agree. And just more talking benches, that would just make my day. So all of a sudden, I sit on a bench, and it's like, get off of me. The only one I know of is in Maelstrom. The next idea I had was with going back to smartphones and having cameras on it is having augmented reality apps on these phones. So you hold up the camera and you actually see where the hidden Mickeys are or you see facts of, um, you know, about the attraction or even distances up to, oh, you know, you are only, you know, 500 meters or two minutes away from this attraction or from this character greeting that's going on right now at this time. So basically somewhat taking some of the aspects of Pal Mickey and bringing that into a phone, right? Some of it. A little bit, but it's, I mean, 
the bad thing about the augmented reality apps would be then you see a lot of tourists that are looking through their cell phone trying to navigate through the park and it's already bad enough that they stop in the middle of the walkway and open up their map to figure out where they're at. So now you're going to have them looking through their cell phone. And, and keep walking with their map and not looking. <laughs> oh, and their limited view is going to – and their view is going to be even more limited than if they were just walking around. So you know, you're going to have that little bit of an issue. Yeah, but definitely augmented reality is something I think that would be really cool to see in the parks. You hold up – Disney builds an app. You take a photo. It Basically, you take a photo of an attraction. It gives you uh, different hidden Mickeys to look for. You know, that would be awesome. I mean, it could also even be you like the Disney uh, photo pass. I know that you can stage your picture and it looks like you're holding a baby Stitch or Stitch is coming out of or a baby Simba or Stitch is coming out of the um, floor there. It'd be kind of cool to be able to do that with your own pictures on your phone. You take a picture of your family staying in front of the castle and then all of a sudden Disney magically somehow adds in, knows where the people are and adds in, you know, other characters around it. Yeah, I mean, with all the smartphone technology we have today and the team Disney has building this, these apps and stuff, I think Disney can definitely do that. Whereas, you know, well, yeah, I mean, whereas uh, PhotoPass, they kind of take your photos back into the lab and kind of Photoshop stuff in, but... You mean it's not there in the actual picture? I thought it was Disney magic. <laughs> sorry to ruin, ruin it. I'm sorry to ruin it, but nah. Little program called Photoshop. <laughs> Oh, I got to check that out one day. <laughs> well, yeah, augmented reality, that would just be awesome to see. But as you say, it, raise, it raises safety. Well, besides annoyance issues of people stopping in the middle, it also, I guess, raises safety issues because people are just going to be walking around looking through their phones and all of a sudden they bump into something. <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, so that concludes our 30th episode roundtable. I would like to thank Mark Moran from the Remember the Magic podcast, Anthony from um, the WDW News Today podcast. You're very welcome. And Paul from Mouse Magic HD and Mouse Magic Live with airs Sunday at 7 Eastern on Radio Creek Radio. Guys, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of our 30th show. I would like to thank everyone for their support and for tuning in each week to the Discast. Thanks once again to Kyle, Mark from the Remember the Magic podcast, Anthony from the WDW News Today podcast, and Paul from Mouse Magic HD and Mouse Magic Live for joining me on this week's show. From all of us here at the Discast, thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to join us again. And until then, have a magical week. <laughs>